take a second to remind ourselves to keep you humble. And if my brother should fall, our sisters have a stumble. Okay, so we're back with the Juby Take. I'm Steve. I'm Adam. You know, you haven't heard from us for a while. We understand. We tried to explain before. Yep. But uh, we're going to do uh, what everybody hopes we would do, and that's another sports. Yeah. Sports topic. Well, it's an interesting time for that. So I think it's, it's you know, and like you said, it's been a while. As we've said before, it's why we started this podcast. But then again, it's the least favorite of our uh, of both of our listeners. So, <laughs> uh, so basically, everybody knows what's going on. You know, we don't need to rehash a lot of things. But in February, sports shut down. Yep. Done. And in the first time in history, I'm pretty sure. You know, in the, in the first last time in my history, 130 years. You know, all sports were shut down. There's a lot of money in pro sports, and they they shut it down cold. Yeah, well, there's I mean, and, and there's money in that. There's money in you know universities. You know, they their sports they get a lot of money from from that. So I mean, there's I pulled the plug on March Madness. I know that's that's wow, that's huge. That's a lot of money that that was not there that a lot of universities were banking on. Yeah. So we're what seven months, eight months. Yeah, roughly. Eight months down eight, the road. Eight months. Nine months. We can't count, so don't ask us to be specific. No. Uh, so, sports have started back up. Yes, they've trickled their way back into life. So, different sports have handled the situation differently. Well, they had to, you know. I think NASCAR, if you want to count that as a sport. <laughs> uh, sorry, Joe. Some do. That was kind of the first one that came back. Yeah, I mean that was easy, easy one. You know, um, other than, I mean, it, it, small crews. You know, there's actually quite a few people involved in a NASCAR, a NASCAR team. So uh, really, they, yeah, okay, yeah, there really are. Uh, you know, you have all of your pit crew, and then you have your garage crew, and the haulers, and all the people that travel. So okay, there's uh, actually, here I thought there was just a group of you know five little elves. That helped every, you know, and everything that they did. That's the natural perception. Yeah. yeah. That's that's true. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so then, uh, you know, then the other sports came back, you know, baseball. Right. Um, basketball. Uh, soccer. soccer. Soccer was a big one that came back, came I believe. Back. A lot in other countries um, that were having not as big of issues, I believe, with the, uh, that, that we were having. Okay. No, I think you're, it's, yeah, I don't know what the situation was. I know it's very important, you know, football for, yeah. for European. And so, yeah, you know, now we're, you know, baseball came back. One of the things that, that changed was the, uh, the availability of, of rapid testing. Yeah. So you could know, you know, very quickly, uh, who was infected and, uh, you could try to contain it that way. Right. Uh, baseball uh, still traveled, although they cut the season down to 60 games and then the playoffs. And they also limited travel. So the West Coast teams played the West Coast teams and the East Coast teams played the East Coast teams. Okay. And there really wasn't any going back and forth. But you still, the players went home. Right. And came to the ballpark. There's a trust factor involved there with everyone, you know? I mean, that's huge. Right, the protocols that were in place. Now, hockey 
and the NBA took a different approach. They created a bubble. Yeah. So all the players uh, were in quarantine before they checked into the bubble. They all stayed in the same hotels, played in the same ar- arenas. Yeah. And it was all controlled by the leagues to keep, you know, somebody from from infecting, you know, a lot of the teams. Right. And that seemed to be very successful. It, it did. It worked out well. Both um, were able to finish out their seasons without any major hangups. No, that's true. Um, no, it, yeah. Uh, and now football has started up. Uh, some college football, the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 have all started. Yeah, they've been playing for uh, multiple weeks now. The, the Pac-12 and, and the Big 10 uh, had canceled their seasons totally through the end of the year and then rethought it, and now they're going to start up next month. Rapid testing was a big thing, like you said, that really helped allow that and make everyone feel comfortable. Right. And there, there's a lot of protocols uh, in place with, you know, wearing masks and, you know, a lot of the hygiene issues. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's certainly in football, there's there's a lot more contact. Yeah. Than, People up in each other's faces. Than baseball and, and all of that. But the one main thing throughout all of the sports with the exception of just recently, uh, is no fans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, virtual fans or cardboard cutouts in the, yeah, in they've the done, stands. They've done different things. Uh, all of them, a different level of annoying. Yeah. Adding in crowd noise to, you know, virtually, uh, make people feel that it's normal or, you know, that they actually have the feel of the game. Right. Piping in crowd noise. That's uh, Seattle Seahawks have been doing that for years, <laughs> even though they say they don't. But that's, yeah, it's it, trying to give the players, I guess, more of a sense of an actual game. Yeah. So that's controlled by the home team. Now some of the, uh, the colleges in the South are allowing a certain number of fans. Yeah. Uh, limiting, you know, initial numbers were like 20% of the capacity. So you could social distance and, yeah, I, and all of that thing, those things. And, and honestly, then beyond that, they've let more and more in. And the last thing I saw, Florida had eliminated any restrictions. Oh, wow. So we'll see how that goes because the Gators, right? Well, uh, the whole state of Florida. Oh, the state of Florida. Yeah, okay. The governor said no more restrictions on anything. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. I think that there was a, uh, was it Florida that recently shut down all their practices? Yeah. It's, it, it's still out there and it, yeah. it doesn't take much. This pandemic is, is so contagious that it, it, it's getting ev- into everything and everywhere. And so, you know, there's different schools of thought and yeah. we're, not, we're not political in any way. So, you know, what we think about how things are being done, we try to keep out of our podcast. No, this is more just what is our observations of what is out there. Exactly. It's our take on yeah. <laughs> different things. It's also our, our perspective. Perspe- perspectives. Exactly. <laughs> Adam's drinking a water. I think I have to let you people know that. I'm disappointed as well, folks. <laughs> You stay hydrated, folks. I'm staying hydrated with rum. And ice. There's your water. Exactly. 
<laughs> so anyway, so the experience, uh, you mentioned the virtual fans. Yeah. So the NBA did that. They actually put them up on a screen right, and showed people at home. And then, of course, the camera would zoom in and they would find celebrities and all of that. And it was the most annoying thing in the world. Yeah, there were some... They they put a whole bunch of weird things in there. I know that they've, you know, photoshopped some, you know, characters and some different oh, things in there. Oh, it, was, it was just the worst. Yeah. Try uh, to be funny with it. Fun, I yeah, guess. Yeah, you know, it's just in recent years, the uh, the different networks have fell, you know, fell in love with the idea of showing the fans and yeah. their reactions. Right. Well, all I, of that. I figured that they would have done a little bit more of that in it. I, I, you know, what I, when I saw or when they showed what they did show of the fans was more the celebrities, like you said, and which made me feel like they were very selective with who they put up on the, you know, as the fans of the teams. Yeah. Um, which kind of is annoying because you would think that they, you know, you would want that to be the whole thing is to get the, you know, everyone to be involved with that, you know, so that you could have, um, not just the high, high, uh, high profile fans out there. Um, but I think you would get a lot more of the reactions and I think it would have been, I don't know. I mean, I sure that there were some people out there that weren't that way, but I, I figured they would have played off it a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. I just, I find that really annoying i want to watch the game yeah and anybody that's ever watched a game with me knows that uh and i've been called this in the past and i don't know how fair it is but opinionated about certain things oh wow really yeah okay and so uh, the idea that you know showing the fans was okay you know they did it little bits and pieces here and there and then they became enamored with the idea of showing fans to the point where like in a baseball game, you know, the ball's put in play, they show the fans and then they cut right as the pitcher starts throwing the pitch. Right. And then they cut back to the fans as soon as the play is over or the bench or, you know, and so I'm sitting there watching, wondering, are you missing something? You know, sometimes they do and they do. Yeah. But there's a lot of things to watch in, it's certainly in football games and baseball games and basketball, the formations and how things are set up that anyone who's into the game, those intricacies are important. You want to see that. And in the case of basketball, they decided that bringing the ball up to mid court no longer needs to be covered. Yeah. So they cut to the fans or cut to the bench or they cut to something while the game is going on. And while the offensive team is bringing the ball up to mid court, right? And then they decide, okay, now I want to watch. You know what? I really feel like, you know, I I don't go to that many live events even before the pandemic and the situation that we have. Yeah. But it really makes me want to go back to live events so I can start watching what I want to watch and actually see the whole game. (laughs) Maybe that's why they do it. I think that might be to drive up attendance (laughs) uh, and turn people off to televised sporting events because they, I I think you've you've touched on it. Nailed it. I think that they really believe that uh, too many people are watching the games on TV, so they're going to do everything they can to infuriate the fans and not show them the game. I think we've, I think we've nailed it. And that's what I was saying was that they, I was surprised that they didn't do more of that during the bubble, you know, during the, with those virtual fans. Right. Cause too, too many people were actually staying tuned in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I understand. <laughs> yeah. It's been a, 
a difficult um, a time when there was no sports, but I'm glad everything's back in and, and now it's it's almost it's you know the normalized moving forward of kind of you know the next seasons of everything are going to start be starting up and and moving into those you know protocols will be the same and it's going to be interesting to see how it's all uh, going to pan out. Well, exactly because when this all started. You know, it, it kind of hit us all at once within a couple of weeks where, you know, everything shut down. Right. And as with the case of, of anything, when something happens that takes away what your normal routine is, you really look back on things that you did that maybe weren't that important to you. Yeah. But you miss them like crazy now that you can't do them. Right. You know, whether it's just going out, you know, stopping someplace for a beer or, or going to a movie or going to a restaurant or all those kinds of things. And then sports, which, you know, is a major part of uh, our entertainment. You know, we're, yeah, we're, you know, very serious fans for our teams. Exactly. And we've had many podcasts where we've talked about the fact that overlapping seasons. And so you're, you know, you're watching, you know, the, the Yankees and the 49ers, you know, or the Blazers and the Coyotes and, you know, spring training with the Yankees. Right. And the Ducks. And of course the ducks, you know, right. No, it's, uh, for sure. It's hard to not have those things moving, you know, and, and have that regular season, you know, feel, I mean, I, I would say that I am excited to have both football and basketball starting up in November and, yeah. and having that, you know, kind of normality getting back into it. You know, I think that they're, they're trying to keep it so that it's not as, off as uh maybe it initially was thought it was going to be well and you know it it has to be taken very seriously i i love the fact that the nfl came out and told the coaches you got to wear a mask okay and a few of the coaches didn't you know or they had them down around their chin or, or different things and and these are protocols put in place and you can argue the effectiveness of these protocols but it's the the general uh, idea is to make it as safe as possible. Right. And that's, that's all it is. So it's, it's like somebody complaining that they had to wear a face mask on their helmet. Okay. Just put it on there. Right. You know, it's for your own safety. So the face masks, uh, the coaches were told to wear during the game. Right. And some of the coaches, as I said, the- either had them down around their chin or weren't wearing them during the game. And the NFL fined them a hundred thousand dollars. That's so much money. That's a good. That's and a good chunk. It is, and also find the franchise two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh wow! I did not hear about that. Yeah. That. So the, we're talking about a lot of money, and you know we've talked about in the past uh, with the amount of money that are in pro sports now, and when something happens and a you know an NBA player gets fined you know five thousand dollars or even ten thousand dollars for something. You know, that's couch change. Right. To them. That's you nothing. Know, it's, it's like, who cares? You know, really? You know, I make $5,000 in the first three minutes of a game. And that's why it continues to happen. That's why they have these fines every single year, multiple times. I mean, it's not anything anyone's scared of. Yeah. But, you know, $100,000 for a coach. Yeah. That, that hurts. It's going to sting a little bit. Yeah. Make so, you think about it. You know, again, whatever the protocols that they put in place, and some of them may seem ridiculous. If you have 
you know, a, a, a sideline of players that don't have masks on, or if they had a mask on and five minutes ago, you know, they took it off and, and now they're playing, it seems like, okay, well, you know, what exactly is that doing? My point is, who cares? You know, it's not that much of an inconvenience. Right. And if it helps 1% of the time, then why not do it? Exactly. You know, this will all go away eventually. We don't know. It may be, you know, there's estimates in time that range from, you know, next week or it's already gone to we'll have to deal with this for the next five years. Yeah. And I'm sure it's somewhere in between those two. (laughs) But the fact is that if if there's a, a precaution that you can take, if you can, uh, if you can help in one way, shape, or form, or another, that we should be, we yeah, should be making not? that decision for the people around us, for ourselves, for our future. You know. Yeah. So, baseball uh, is pretty close to the World Series. Uh, the Yankees are out of it. Yep. Lost We're to Tampa Bay. Heading into another off season with major questions to the team. Although Boone doesn't seem to think that there's a lot wrong with the team. He says we're right on the cusp. Uh, well, I don't think that you can argue. Yeah. You know, I mean, we almost went to the league championship series, obviously against the best team. We were, we were playing Tampa Bay and, and they're making short work of Houston. Yeah. And in game five, which was a five game season or series, you know, we lost two to one. It's just the way we lost, you know, last year we had a chance to go to the world series Yeah, and we lost with a you know a game ending home run against our closer and right this year we lost the game and it wasn't a game ending because it 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 wasn't in the ninth but in the eighth inning Chapman gave up another home run in a you know one to one game and we end up losing two to one because of a home run that Chapman gave up it's hard to take you know it's where's like, Rivera when you need him man oh don't don't go there because that's <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the fact is, you know, that's what they say is the, you know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. Now, truly, you know, putting Chapman out there is not a bad thing. No, it's not the wrong move. But it's two years in a row he's given up home runs and tie ball games. So we lose the series. Yeah. So, you know, it's you don't want to blow the team up, obviously. You know, we're, we're in the playoffs. It's quite a team. I think Cashman has done a great job yeah. of constructing this team, but it's you just, you know, the Yankees, if you don't win the world series, it's a, a bad season. Right? No, exactly. And so, you know, at least we got to watch some baseball, very unique, very interesting year, obviously in a lot of different ways, again, with no fans, right? Uh, the virtual fans, the video fans in the NBA, uh, were one thing, but now uh, it's cutouts. Right. I do want to say something that was funny uh, that came out when you know b- baseball started back up, and they were talking about doing it without the fans. Um, I forget who it was or what exact market it, it, it would have been. Maybe it was the A's, one of the players on there, but they came out, maybe it was Cleveland. They came out and they said, well, I don't play with fans anyway, so it's going to be no change to me. I thought that was pretty funny. Nice. Anyway. Well, you know, and it was funny too, because they would open up part of the stands for the players and part of it is social distancing, you know, so they're not all sitting together on the bench. 
but all of a sudden you look and you know here's the pitching staff and you know tomorrow's pitcher and yesterday's pitcher and and bench players sitting up in the stands in the first three or four or five rows you know sitting there watching the game kicking back with their feet up and it's like you know that's that's such an interesting thing you know how much fans influence the players uh the way the game is momentum comebacks you know it just it's it's always been given a large weight in, in certain markets yeah and with certain types of games but when you don't have that you know then it's you're just you know you're you're out there like it's a pickup game in some gym some of the things that happened uh that I think is really funny with no fans you can hear everything yeah so you can hear comments by the coaches you can hear comments from the players yeah that was the good one those are the good ones right there you know i mean watching watching baseball games was like watching the old expos the montreal team okay you can hear everything that's going on in the field my favorite quote from a baseball player is uh john cruck uh who's kind of crazy anyway okay he said he was playing a game up against the expos and he was up to bat and he could hear a guy ordering a hot dog that's how quiet it was. Oh my god. Oh, they they used to have maybe 900, 1100 fans in a, you know, 40,000 seat arena. I think it was bigger than that in Montreal. I think they were playing at the when they had the Olympics, they built some stadium. Okay. I think they were playing there. I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, you know, it just now you hear these comments and some of them, you know, are X-rated. Yeah. Right. Some of the language I know in basketball, it was very interesting. There was a lot of technicals called in the first few games. They were. Because the officials, you know, could hear everything that the players are saying. Right. Because they didn't have all that crowd noise drowning it out. Exactly. Yeah, they could, there was any, any tussle, anything, you know, being said, they weren't distracted. So they, yeah, they were fully immersed. Teeing them up like crazy. So it's been interesting. You know, we're a few weeks into the NFL season. Yep. Uh, there have been some teams that have, have had some positive tests. Yes. Yep. Uh, they've made some adjustments. Uh, the practice squad, they, they added, I think, five players to the practice squad. Because if somebody tests positive, they have to quarantine. Yep. And so, you know, they lose them for a couple weeks. And they've got to have a reserve of players to bring in. Uh, there's been a couple games postponed. But for the most part, they've pulled it off. All the sports have. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, like I said, like you just said that there's only been a couple that have been postponed and, you know, a couple of them have just been a couple of days. I think one was a week, but that's not bad, especially for the NFL with how many players there are on each team um, with, you know, traveling and dealing with all that kind of stuff. I mean, it could be a lot worse than it is. And, you know, hats off to all the, all the different programs and all the different, all the different types of uh, leagues that have, come back and have made successful, you know, seasons. Exactly. Yeah. They've, they've done really a good job of trying to stay on top of it. And, you know, one of the things that's happened is technology has gotten in yeah. involved. I know in the NFL, uh, because they do practice all week and then they have one game a week. When you show up at the f- facility, depending on, you know, which team you're playing for, they give you a wristband and it's basically a tracker. Oh yeah. And it tracks your movement. So if somebody does test positive, they can go back to these trackers and see who they came in contact with. And, you know, it just, it, it helps in the, 
you know, in the outside world, it's contact tracing. Uh, so you can kind of figure out, okay, if somebody is positive, who have they, you know, come in contact with? Right. Uh, so they're able to do that. Without that, there's, you know, there's not a lot of control. You no, know, it's, it's incredibly contagious. And a lot of what happens is, you know, you have to stop and go, okay, well, who have I been around? You know, that's one of the things I know, Adam, you had a situation where someone tested positive that was in your circle. Yeah. And, you know, it, it would be nice if you could go to a computer and bring up exactly where this person walked and everywhere that they did and who was there when, you know, for this amount of time and, right. and all that. But you kind of had to do it by, you know, okay, who... Who was around this guy? Yeah, we had, you know we had to watch cameras. We had to you know ask questions to different people. I mean, it was virtually guesswork, to be honest with you. I mean, the best that we could. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it, I mean, in that instance, you have to you know be on the side of caution and and make sure that you're you know going above and beyond with that. Um, well, exactly. That's, sure. that's what we were talking about before about the fact that. You know, if, if just wearing a mask, you know, helps a little bit, why not? Uh, right. So now we've got, we've got the Ducks coming up next month. Uh, the 49ers are, have, you know, gone from losing the Super Bowl in a horrible fashion, kind of giving it away. Yeah. Uh, so now we're, uh, we're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a little bit of a struggle this year. Um, I mean, it's, we, uh, we have some, had some injuries. Which have not helped. Some horrible injuries. You know, <laughs> losing Solomon Thomas and, and uh, Nick, Bosa. Nick Bosa in one game. Yeah. Uh, our secondary has, has been decimated. I mean, you know, our starting corners a couple weeks ago uh, were on the couch watching games the week before. Yeah. You know, it just, it's, and we haven't had really, you know, virus problems. Uh, no. At all, but we've had injuries. And part of that is attributed to the fact that the, the normal training camp didn't happen right. and the preseason didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but exactly how much that has to do with it, it's, it's kind of a guess, you know. Well, you would think, you would think that it, you know, it, there's going to be injuries no matter how much you prepare. Right? Yeah. So it, it's going to happen. But I, it's not just the 49ers. You know, around the league, there's a lot of players there's, that are in, that are getting a injured, lot of injuries. and again, it happens, but more than usual, and and early in the season as well. And you know, I know that there was talk about a certain field. I think the one that the, the well MetLife Field in in New York, where the Jets and the Giants play, uh, they talked about how because it's an artificial field, yeah, and there's that balance where you want the field to be sticky for traction. Right. So you want to be able to cut, you want to be able to move. But if it becomes too sticky, if it becomes, you know, too much when you plant your foot and you get hit, especially if you're a lineman and you start getting moved, you want your foot to come loose. Right. Because if your foot is totally planted, that's basically what's that's, going on. That's, that's your knee is gone because a knee and ankle, some other joint, you know, one of the joints are, are going to go. So I think that that, you know, probably has some, you know, part of our injuries, specifically probably some other ones in the league. But I, I do think that with the increase of injuries around the league, that it absolutely has to as well. 
I think a big part in is the, the fact of conditioning and, and just easing their bodies into that. Um, not saying that they aren't in game day shape, but maybe not as flexible and you know, that they, I think it's such a fine line Yeah, from, from being in, in game shape. Certainly you could be in the, in the best shape ever and still have injuries. We know about that. Right. Right. But a lot of hamstrings, you know, and a lot of pulled muscles, you know, and, and that seems to be more about preparedness, Yeah, you know, and flexibility like you're talking about. So the duck football starts uh, November 7th Yep, and we're not playing 12 games. No, you know, they've cut it down to six. So we will be playing just the Northern division teams. So it's Washington state, Washington, Stanford, Cal, Oregon state. And then we play one game against the Southern division, UCLA and we play UCLA at home. So they've compressed the season into that few of games. Then there's going to be the championship game. And some teams have already been playing. Some teams, you know, it's it, it's going to be interesting at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, how they do the playoffs, how they pick teams uh, for bowl games. I heard that that all the Pac-10 teams or Pac-12 teams will be going, will be playing an extra game, kind of a seeding game. So when the league championship game is going on, all the other teams in the league will be playing somebody, okay. playing each other. And then they'll okay. send off to, to bowl games. Because you can't be bowl eligible if you're only playing six games unless you go undefeated. Yeah. So it, it, it's, just, it's a lot of figuring shit out. Yeah. And it's a lot of, of, okay, so this is what we've got going. How can we make it work? You know, it's still going to be the Ducks. You know, it's still going to be fun to watch. Yeah. As we've talked about in the past with Mario Cristobal, I love the direction that Oregon's gone yeah, and the coaching staff that they've established. We have a new offensive coordinator Moorhead, uh, and we have a new wide receivers coach and a new, uh, cornerbacks coach, Ron chance. And it's all of these guys are incredible recruiters. That's, yeah. That's, you know, you have to be a great positions coach, but you also have to be a great recruiter when it comes to working, uh, in the Oregon program now with Cristobal, I saw something the other day that was interesting. Uh, you know, Oregon basketball has been on the rise. Yeah, certainly. Definitely. And Dana Altman is a fantastic coach. Yeah. One of the best and a very good recruiter with his staff. And so, uh, Oregon was, they do a, a rating of football and basketball recruiting. Yeah. And they combine the two and Oregon is number one in the nation in their recruiting in the 2020 class, right? Or 2021, 2021. Yes, right. You know, Ohio state was second and everybody else was way behind because, you know, there's a lot of schools that, you know, a lot of the best basketball schools don't have a really strong football program. Right. In a lot of years you either, it's a basketball school or a football school. Right. And so in recent years, there are some schools that have really kind of excelled in both. Right. But I thought it was really cool that that we were number one. No, I think that that's amazing. I think that's some of the most more exciting things about the Ducks. You know, they're all seem to be on the rise. And I think that was something that was. And then, we, you know, we're not even talking about the women's basketball team, which. <laughs> right. You know, that was the number one recruiting class last year. Yeah. So um, with all that, it's just nice to be a, a Duck fan. You know? It really is. You and, know, and also Hayward Field has opened. Right. 
and uh, there's some virtual tours out there. I sent you one. Yeah, no. Well, I actually watched it, and, uh, and the, it was pretty awesome. Facility. I mean, Oregon uh, basketball and football has been known for their facilities. Oh, what yeah. they what they put together and and how fantastic and and really player or student centric. Yeah, you know it's it's all about making it a a, a positive and really good environment for training uh, and just the experience yeah. of being a college athlete. Having you know, that Nike of, Nike backing helps. A lot of Oregon stuff is is better than pro teams, but Hayward Field. And I just saw this today. Hayward Field now is going to host the NCAA championships. Oh wow! Six of the next seven years. <laughs> they should. Yeah. With that oh, stadium, it's it's, it's amazing. It's an incredible facility. And Hayward Field was, you know, I mean, Eugene has been, you know, track town USA, right, for a long time. Oh yeah. And Hayward Field was iconic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that went on there. But the facility itself was old. Yeah. We had the Olympic trials and... Oh, yeah. Like, now, they've had world championships and yeah. they've had Olympic trials and all of that. But this new facility is just crazy. It's, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the best track facility in the world. It's so insane. And then you go down below and you look, you know, because there was never even locker rooms yeah. at Hayward Field. And now you have all these training facilities and they have indoor tracks. Right. They have timing tracks where you can, without anybody there with a stopwatch, you know, you can run, you know, a, a 60 yard dash, you know, they're like four or five lanes yeah. that times it for you. You just have to, you know, push the button, then it triggers it when you take off. It's, it's just amazing. That is incredible. How gorgeous this thing is. Um, I have a question for you, and I'm yeah. not sure if you know this or if you saw it. Um, I, if I don't, I'll make something up. But do you know... Out of the 12 teams in the Pac-12, where Coach Cristobal's salary ranks in the like the 12? Uh, I don't know exactly, so I'm going to make something up. Yeah. I would say he's up middle top. I don't think he's the highest paid. He's definitely not. He signed, you know, again, they, they took a shot on him when Willie Taggart left. <laughs> I had to get that out of Bad my mouth. Bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, huh? I had to get that out. You know, Taggart came and, and left. Uh, and took off after one year, uh, and Cristobal really wanted the job. Right, it was a, a great situation where all the players were like, "Okay, listen, um, Rob Mullins, the athletic director, I don't care what you do or how the process works, but we want him." Yeah, as our coach, every player said it. All the players uh, got together and said that, and hiring him, Cristobal said, "Listen, I'm not leaving." So the buyout was ridiculous. Yeah. The, the contract was so weighted towards Oregon. All Cristobal wanted was a chance. Yeah. And he has more than provided a great environment. I mean, you would say that he deserves to be one of the best, if not the best paid. He will be. He will be. Yeah. It won't take long. Yeah. Because each one of his classes have been the best class, recruiting class, in Oregon history. Right. And this year is on track to be the same thing. The best. And right now we're rated number three in the nation. Right. Oregon never sniffed the top 15 in the past. So now we're, you know, we're in the Alabama, Georgia, Clemson grouping. Right. And not only that, you look at the, the coaching staff that he's put together. 
right? like we talked about a minute ago. But what I love more than anything is watching the interviews with Cristobal when he talks about the kids. And he talks about them like they're his kids. The pride in his voice, yeah. the caring that he has for his players is just amazing. It warms my heart because, you know, when you send a, a child off to a university to play sports, you want them to be safe, you want them to be educated, and you want them to have a great experience. Yeah. And those are the things that you want. Uh, I love the fact that Mario Cristobal, when he recruits, he recruits the whole family. Yeah. You know, he wants to make sure that grandma wants, you know, Jimmy to go to this school. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, think it, about it, the recruiting. I mean, if grandma's telling you you need to go there, then you're probably going to go. It's, you know, it's, it's just amazing, you know, how much he cares. Yeah. And I think that that translates into the kind of players he gets because also he, it's the type of player that he wants. You know, Oregon is no longer get the best player we can situation. It is the best fit. So we are in the running for, you know, the the highest ranked players in the nation. McClendon, I think it's McClendon, the wide receivers coach for this year who spent his entire career in the SEC and actually was an offensive coordinator at South Carolina. Okay. And left a lot of money on the table to become the wide receivers coach at Oregon. Oh, wow. And I watched an interview with him the other day. And a lot of what he talked about was the atmosphere that's been created here and that Oregon now is a national brand. Right. You know, and they have been for a few years, but, but he talked about the fact that you can recruit anywhere. You know, if you're in Georgia, which that's where he was before he went to South Carolina, you know, he's like, okay, so these are hotbeds for high school football players. There's just a lot of talent there yeah. and in Florida and Texas and some of those places. But he said, it, you know, with Oregon, you can walk in anywhere with the Oregon O and they know where you're from. And kids want to talk to them. And they know point. who you are. Yeah. And so uh, that's really exciting. And, and yeah, then, a huge leg up. I mean, you need that when it comes to the recruit, you know, when we're, we're bringing recruiters and coaches that want to be those recruiters, it's, you know, it's fun when you have that power. You know, yeah, it's, you know, it's challenging to be able to bring in, you know, kids to a lower school, you know, at, at, at the Ducks, you know, whenever before, whenever we brought in a high profile recruit, it was really exciting. And I'm sure it was for the coaching staff, but, um, you know, I'm sure that was a challenge and a lot easier and a lot more fun to have that power to, of, of the program. Oh, exactly. That recognition, you know, and it, and it's, it's amazing to me because, as you could probably tell, I, I read a lot of this stuff and <laughs> a lot of the comments of the kids. And, and I remember the day before signing day, Chip Kelly was the coach. And if I was more prepared, which you probably know by now that we are never prepared in this podcast, I would have the exact year. But the year that Chip Kelly got DeAnthony Thomas yeah. to switch from USC the day before the signing day and go to Oregon. And how many players refer to DeAnthony Thomas in that moment, his time at Oregon yeah. and playing at Oregon and watching him as a turning point when they became Oregon fans. Yeah. You know, it's just little things like that because DeAnthony Thomas was a five star. He was a highly recruited kid. And however, and one Chip of the Kelly, fastest people, you know, alive. I don't know what kind of check we had to write to him or, 
or what exactly <laughs> happened that, that got him to come to Oregon, but that was a, a game changer. That was huge. I remember and, that. And it rippled for years and still. Still is. We're still here seeing the effects of, of that recruit, which is uh, kind of crazy to think about um, yeah. when you really think about it. So to answer that, um, he is not in the top or middle of the pack when it comes to being paid, Mr. Mario Cristobal. He is the 11th okay. highest paid uh, coach in the Pac-12. And that needs a change. Oh, like, it and will. it will. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Uncle Phil won't let that keep <laughs> keep happening. And, you know, again, it's you, you want to be careful if you're uh, Rob Mullins and, and not just start throwing money at him. Yeah. Uh, but you do it within, you know, appropriate times. But like I said, I, I knew that when he when he initially signed the contract, it was very, very low. Yeah. And the buyouts were ridiculous. And, and he's like, I'm not going anywhere. There's no place I want to go. I'm not here until my dream job right. <laughs> becomes available. So yeah, he'll be taken care of. I'm, I'm not too concerned, but I mean, if you're the lowest played paid uh, coach, what are you making? 2 million yeah. a year? Yeah. I mean, Chris yeah, Wall's at 2.5. Yeah. See, so before we feel too bad. <laughs> Let's put uh, it in uh, perspective. Yeah. He's okay. Thank you. Have some more water, Adam. Mm. So, and then we can slide right into Dana Altman. Yeah. Uh, since we started this recruiting conversation with, you know, Oregon being number one uh, when you combine football and basketball. Right. Oregon is now number eight for 2021. And basketball is different than football because football, you, you end up with 24, 25 recruits per class. Right. And basketball, you could have two. Right. Or three. Depending on the class and how many spots you need to fill. So a few weeks ago, we were uh, 57th or something. I think we had one recruit. Yeah, Biddle, which would be interesting. You know, he's been the number one player yeah. in the state of Oregon for quite a while. Yeah. You know, 6'11". Uh, I don't know. He's 75 pounds or something. He's pretty Super pretty skinny. Pretty thin. But he's a unicorn. Yeah, as, as you and and Zach have talked about, it's a new fact, term. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a very tall, big player that plays mostly outside. Yeah, plays like a guard in a sense, the best they can. Right, and he went to Crater. Yep, Crater High School, uh, which I believe is down around K Falls or something. Yeah, whoever, if there's anybody in Oregon listening to us, reach out and let us know, please. Uh, but it's Crater High School. I know it's in Central Oregon. So, I mean, maybe it's up towards Bend. Crater. Yeah. Heard of it. Yeah. I don't remember. So, anyway, now he's at kind of a basketball academy in California for his senior year. Okay. And then Chandler Lawson, who is on the team now, kind of the starting center. Yep. uh, His younger brother committed. Jonathan Lawson. Yeah. And he's a 6'6", 6'7", guard, basically. Yeah. Handles the ball. Purdy's got really good vision. Yeah. You know, and high school players, it's really hard because, you know, like in in uh, Jonathan Lawson's case, a lot of what he's going against are kids that are four or five inches shorter than him. Right. Like, there's a lot of dunks and there's a lot of, of dominance, you know, when you watch film right. from high school players. Uh, and then we just signed or got to commit from, and I don't even can't pronounce the kid's name. No idea. 
I, I can't. I'm not even gonna try. K something. K something. So, so special K. So yeah. So is, so Biddle was the number two center in this class. Right. Where this guy's the number four center in the class. Right. It's more of a traditional center. Right. So this is this is a specimen. You know, this is a six eleven, two hundred and forty pound. Uh, all he knows how to do is dunk because it's all he's ever had to do. Yeah. Just push you out of the way. And Block shots, uh, rebounds. Uh, like once again, high school. Yeah. Now you're you're adding him to a team. You know that if Nafale Nafale Dante Dante stays. Yeah. Which he's projected to leave. Okay. Well. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. With with what happens, but he's another six eleven guy. Yeah. So all of a sudden we go from a team that doesn't have much size to a team that has all kinds of size crazy amount are, are, are you know with that backcourt it's or front court it's supposed to be one of the best you know or the best recruiting front court in in you know the nation um but could possibly be one of the best front courts in the nation just in general yeah so um so that's exciting and we're yeah. in the mix for like the number two guard and we're in the mix for the number six guard and and all of that and and so much of this it's not as subjective as it used to be yeah. because of AAU basketball and a lot of these kids know each other. They play against each other. Right. A lot of them are going to basketball academies. Right. You know, there's virtually one in, in most States. There certainly was, there's one in, uh, in uh, Arizona. California has a couple. Uh, Las Vegas has at least one. Las Vegas has one. Florida has some, and they don't even play against high school teams. No. You know, they'll play them, but they can't compete for state championships. Right. Because they've recruited. You know, they go out and get these players and they kind of play each other. Yeah. In these national tournaments. So a lot of these kids know each other, you know, and they're playing against each other as opposed to years ago, just wherever you went to high school. It'd be interesting to see the difference in, you know, seeing maybe some highlights from Biddle and what we've watched so far and seeing, you know, maybe what he does and how, you know, what, how his game translates to playing against some higher talent. Exactly. So that would be fun. And along those lines, one of the football recruits is a five-star quarterback that plays here in the Valley. Oh, okay. Plays yeah. for Mesquite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ty, yeah. Ty Thompson. Yep. 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 Again, you know, I don't know exactly what they're doing with high school. They're playing high school football, but I don't know what they're doing with fans or yeah. how many people they're allowing around the field. But I would love to go catch a game and watch him because he is, by all accounts, amazing. Yeah. It's been said that he's possibly, I mean, he's built his case up to being talked about possibly one of the best quarter or the best quarterback in, in the class. There's some people that believe that he has the highest ceiling. Yeah. Um, they say he's definitely going to be in the NFL and, um, but it's, it's going to be fun to see what he's able to do. It just seems when watching him in, in clips that, you know, certain throws and certain things, he's calm, collective, and it seems pretty effortless for him to, he's a big kid. Yeah. Okay. So he's six, four, well over 200 pounds. And he's kind of effortless in the way that he throws the ball. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's one of those kids that, that throws it. It doesn't look like his arm is moving that fast. It doesn't look like he's putting that much effort into it. But all of a sudden, it's 45 yards down the field. Exactly. And I've been watching Arizona high school football for a long time since Zachary was playing. You just don't see that that much. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think. It's like a Justin Herbert kind of arm. 
Yeah, it, it appears to be. You know, it appears to be strong enough. I mean, I've seen some high school quarterbacks in Arizona at the upper level, because that's where Zach played, that, you know, 30 yards down the field, they had to arc the ball, you know, substantially. Yeah. That's about all they could do. And then you see some kid come out that all of a sudden, effortless, effortlessly, he's throwing the ball 45 yards down the field. Yeah. And it's fun. Accurately. And I would like to watch, uh, I'd like to watch him play, you know, a game, at least one, while he's still in high school here. Well, yeah, that would be amazing to see. And if we do, we'll definitely have to do a podcast to tell everyone what we saw and yeah. what it was all about. Um, I do want to, before we, we end everything in, in this, this podcast, I would like to do a shout out to our man, Justin Herbert. Oh yeah. Cause this kid is, is, is balling out in LA and, and he's uh, doing things, you know, other players have never done. So, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty exciting. We've had basketball players in the NBA, you know, we've had NFL players, uh, from, from Oregon, but. I, you know, we really have not had anybody come in and be, you know, a, a star, to be honest. He has had an incredible start to his career. Uh, we've had a lot of quarterbacks go from the NFL or to the NFL, but really not a lot of success. No, I think the Garrett Blunt's maybe one of the only players that had well, a lot talking about quarterbacks, right? No, we've had Oregon players had long careers. Yeah. Uh, but our, the quarterbacks, I mean, you'd have to go back to Dan Fouts to have somebody that really had much of a career because if you look at Akili Smith, who was the number two pick, never did do anything with Cincinnati. Right. Joey Harrington, you know, he just, he went to Detroit. Right. Again, the number two pick didn't really do much. Even Marcus Mariota, Heisman Trophy winner. Right. We all thought that he would might you could translate, especially with the way the NFL is kind of transitioning into that mobile quarterback kind of number two. Again, it goes to Tennessee and, and really doesn't do that much. Now Tennessee can't lose right with Ryan Tannehill. And I don't think Tannehill is a, a better quarterback than, than Mariota. Than Mariota. But there's been, you know, um, Kellen Clemens was another right. you know, star quarterback for Oregon that has had a great career as a backup. Yeah. Uh, and, AJ Feely, you know, is another one that has had a, had a great career as a backup. So we haven't had that quarterback that has had been successful at Oregon and then gone into the NFL and been that successful. So yeah. it's, it's awesome to see. Yeah. I mean, I guess like that household name, I guess, in a sense, you know, it's, it's, you know, even Arizona state fans, you know, can, can say, you know, Harden, you know, they have certain, you know, players. I, I, you could probably go to most universities and find one player, you know, maybe not most, a lot of them, but or some, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's for you know as as we allude to and say you know that we've gotten a lot of talent and that we're bringing a lot of people in. I don't think this is the last person we're going to talk about having that superstar quality coming through Oregon. No, but it's possibly the first that we can really say that you know from the beginning showed that he has the you know is going to be somebody. And it's funny, you know, you talk about Harden. I remember watching Harden at yeah. Arizona State. Nice. And he was an okay player. Yeah. And he became what he is in the NBA. Yep. And the inter interesting thing about Justin Herbert, and I've watched three of his games now, because not all, all of them were televised here. And he seems to be better than he was at Oregon. 
Yeah. He seems to be more accurate. And they talked this last week about the fact that they've done, they made some adjustments. You know, his, his base was too wide. So his feet were too far apart. And so they did some subtle changes. Okay. To kind of clean him up. And it's amazing the throws that he makes and how accurate he is now. And that was the biggest bust on, you know, him when he was at Oregon is he wasn't the most accurate quarterback. Yeah. Cause as we said, he has a cannon and you know, he can and, throw that yeah. long ball. Oh yeah. He can throw it as far as he wants, but it's so interesting to me always when you look at athletes and when they get to another level, the things that they're taught that make them that much better. Yeah. And you wonder why somebody didn't see that when they were, you know, in college and be able to tell them that, oh, your feet are too far apart. You know, you need to have your base needs to be a little tighter. You need this, you need that. But that's the progression. Yeah. You know, superstar high school player goes to college and he has to get better. Superstar college player goes to the pros, has to get better. You can't stay with where you are. So work ethic. And, and Joey Harrington struggled with that. Marcus Mariota Always, you know, tremendous work ethic, great guy, and Justin Herbert, you know. And it's funny, when they talk about Mariota and they talk about Herbert, the biggest knock on them is they think they're too nice. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, wow. That's, That's their horrible. biggest deal. They're too timid. Yeah, they're not leaders. Yeah, well. Okay, so uh, I think that we've concluded our our sports podcast. Yeah. I think everyone's a little bit more educated on what's been going on with sports. We're going to the pandemic, try to get back out here and, and do another one. And maybe next time we'll do, uh, you know, some TV stuff. Yeah. You know, since everybody's kind of locked inside still to a certain what's extent, everyone been watching. Yeah. And honestly, uh, Heather and I are late to the party, but shit's Creek. Yeah. Really? Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, let's save it. Let's save it. We'll talk about that next time. Jump on that one. So, all right. Perfect. Good to be back. And if you guys want, there's going to be more perspectives later. We're living in a world of capital over progression. You can shop for spreading love, but on a wealth obsession. Money can't help you see the light. In the end, you can't buy yourself a Porsche when you're dead. Well, mama said that I don't got to be part of the world to truly love. Pray for a difficult life to live and rise above it. This is the time I'm at, so this be tasted. So let's do everything we can before I Of today, point them out to me so I can come and join their reign. 
We'll walk around this land with open hands looking for change. We'll want to understand this progression we have at hand. Humanity is killing wheat for this we will not stand. I say let's progress in good contest. Make conference then love our best. Our onslaught of love will be at an all-time high. Crashing like waves on some ponderosa pines. Our love that makes no sense. We who spend love at no expense. We are a force of passion. Create a new faction. Taking action. Working hard just for the satisfactions. With the abilities to shine so bright that others want to fight. Because our light is in their eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the skies. Don't remain mystified by their lies. And trust us, for we will teach you how to be true. Teach you how to speak the truth, but we stand here. We listen to you. No longer hinder, for love is the spark. And we are its tender. We are the good ones. The good ones of today.